single most important thing I can do is to help in any way I can prepare the next generation of leadership. The status quo in North Korea is also unacceptable, and the Council must be prepared to impose additional and stronger sanctions on North Korean nuclear and ballistic missile programs. This is a real threat to the world, whether we want to talk about it or not. North Korea is a big world problem, and it's a problem we have to finally solve. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, new week and a new podcast. Monday, April 24, 2017. Welcome to the program, everybody. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Um, as we are each and every Monday through Friday, thanks for watching the show. If you uh, if you did on uh, Sunday yesterday on the Neil A. Caruso show, uh, our live streaming video show that has gotten a lot of great uh, feedback from uh, a lot of veterans groups today. So I'm uh, very uh, happy and blessed to uh, hear from uh, some of our great men and women who have served our country, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on. But um, President Trump is uh, expected to make a big uh, economy tax announcement later this week. Um, now, there uh, there are some reports out there that President Trump is going to offer exactly what he campaigned on, a 15% corporate tax rate, which we have uh, praised here on the podcast and discussed this in detail. Um, just to give you a little background on this, you have uh, right now the corporate tax rate is the highest uh, among developed nations, that's at 35%. Uh, President Trump wants to reduce that to 15%. Uh, Paul Ryan and the House Republicans, which, by the way, their um, Congress approval ratings, boy, are they low. Uh, the government uh, in fear of being shut down, but we'll see what happens with that. I don't want to jump to conclusions because there are so many different games going on. Uh, in fact, just a note on that. Uh, you know, it's amazing that they can't come up with a long-term solution. There's so much partisanship that's really not necessary, especially with a non-ideological president. But the president has proposed a very conservative tax plan, which, uh, when you look at it, reducing the corporate rate from 35 to 15, exactly as he proposed, repatriating about $2 trillion that has been uh, stored in offshore bank accounts by corporations, reinvest that in the United States, uh, Republicans in the House and Senate, or uh, the House, I should say, have uh, proposed a 20% corporate tax rate because the um, Tax Policy Center and other uh, groups have um, have said that this will uh, reduce revenue by a large amount and increase the deficit. But listen, President Barack Obama, who spoke today for the first time, uh, more on that later, he uh, raised the debt by more than all 43 presidents before him combined. The, the deficit is almost $20 trillion, and, uh, well, Obama reduced military spending, depleted our military. He increased uh, taxes, so he had a revenue. He had a uh, spending program that went nowhere, infrastructure that went nowhere. Now you have a person in the White House who is a business-oriented person, obviously, owned his, uh, many companies, someone uh, who understands how, you know, the money flow and how to operate a business. I think he can operate and understand how taxes work. Uh, someone who is a builder who, when he proposes an infrastructure plan, typically a democratic uh, platform, well, I'm confident that he can rebuild our infrastructure. I mean, listen, if you've been on the roads wherever in this country, I mean, listen, I'll tell you for a fact, New York, the roads are terrible. They just pave some, but there are so many bridges and dilapidated um, tunnels and uh, it's out of control. You have a builder in the White House that'll probably include the private sector on this. 
so that you don't have government, um, you know, uh, making a, a mess of this infrastructure plan. Um, so you have uh, – this could come as early as, I guess, Thursday, they're saying, a proposal to lower this corporate tax rate, and that personal taxes would be addressed as well. Um, of course, he wants to simplify that 4-million-word-long uh, tax code um, and ensure that uh, Americans are paying less. I mean, listen, uh, you just paid your taxes. We're coming out of uh, tax season. You know uh, how much you spent. And, uh, well, President Trump says, well, if you get to keep more of your money, you'll invest more in the country. You'll uh, save more. You'll invest in this country. Uh, and, listen, the president has already brought back um, – in, uh, invested over $100 billion by American businesses. He's call, personally called companies like Ford and General Motors and uh, Amgen and uh, a bunch of, a uh, number of, com about 21 companies that he has personally called Carrier. Um, and the list goes on with those uh, big league jobs announcements that I've kept you abreast of. Big league! And um, those announcements have amounted to over or near I should say nearly 2 million jobs already uh, a lot of those in manufacturing uh, 49,000 manufacturing jobs since January and uh, you have uh, mining jobs coming back uh, about 8,000 in the month of January a little more uh, in the month of February so uh, we're making progress and now we're in April uh, we're approaching the 100th day which is coming up on Saturday uh, so uh, we've had a lot of progress. The big challenges that President Trump is facing is passing legislation, uh, which was Obama's challenge as well. But, you know, when Republicans control both the House and the Senate, there should be, and the presidency, there should be more common ground to pass legislation. I, I really, I mean, Congress just showed up to work today after, what, two weeks on vacation. They're working only eight days this month. Congress is doing absolutely nothing. And that's the problem is President Trump is working. He's got uh, all of these um, national security concerns and foreign policy that Obama just, you know, put in his lap. And you have a Congress that is trying to meddle for votes. and They're getting booed out of town halls and out of their own constituencies. But uh, the whole gang is back in Washington today. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or not because they've done absolutely nothing for 100 days. Besides minor petty crap. And the Democrats stalling every single piece of the Trump agenda despite having some common ground with him. They can't, they can't just pick their fights. They have to fight everything. And we're going to get into later uh, the mess of the Democratic Party and what the hell is the future? Because is Obama going to still be in the picture or is he going to walk away gracefully? I don't think he will. He's going to stay in and for the worst of the Democratic Party and probably for the worst of the country because it would be it, ideally you have two strong parties. You know, forget about the ideology, okay? Whatever you believe, whether you are a conservative or a liberal or somewhere in between, if you had two strong parties that don't accuse each other of racism and sexism from the left and from the right of, you know, uh, whatever it may be, and you stop accusing everybody and trying to get down the business and try to do what's good for the country, well, maybe we can make some progress. But no, they don't want to do that, especially the left. They just want to blame Trump for every problem we have and for uh, not allowing his legislation to be passed in, and they think he's so vile that they'll do anything to stop him. Now, President Trump is, uh, the Trump administration today uh, put sanctions on Syria. U.S. sanctions, uh, 271 sanctions um, after the Syrian uh, chemical attack. Um, it's one of the largest sanction actions in U.S. history. So the president taking decisive action on a day where he met with the U.N. Security Council, U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley at the White House today, uh, meeting with ambassadors from all over the world. And Nikki Haley said in, uh, in the press briefing today that uh, that they had a very good, productive conversation that President Trump was able to talk Turkey, for, the, for lack of a better term, with uh, all ambassadors of all countries and say, listen, it's time to act. 
We're not going to sit idly by and let a country like Syria, where ISIS is based, do whatever the hell they want. And the UN just says, we're going to monitor the situation. They don't act on it. They monitor it. Um, so President Trump told them, listen, okay, you're useless unless you do something here. And there, and so President Trump's administration get 271 sanctions in response to Syrian President Bashar al-Assad's use of chemical weapons. Uh, the Trump administration said Monday that um, it issued sanctions against uh, against employees of Syria's Scientific Studies and Research Center, the Syrian government agency responsible for developing and producing non-conventional weapons. Uh, and it was announced by the Treasury Department and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. And then they uh, briefed reporters today at the White House. And, of course, you had the Syrian airstrike on uh, the Sharat Air Base um, that was just days after the chemical weapons attack, sending the message to Assad and his regime that we're not going to take it anymore. And, you know, by launching heinous attacks, and it's they've launched multiple since... Uh, 2013, when Obama drew the red line, of course, Syria crossed that so-called red line. No action was taken. And since 2015, there have been 10 chemical weapons attacks with the Syrian government responsible for at least half of them. And you have Syria and you have ISIS in the area, in the region there. Uh, and the only democratic state is our ally in Israel in the Middle East. So, dangerous times. Now, in addition to Syria, you have North Korea, who continues to issue statements saying that they are going to today, they issue a statement that they will decimate the United States. And they're touting their nuclear weapons program. Uh, so President Trump has called the entire U.S. Senate to a White House briefing that's going to occur on Wednesday on the North Korea situation amid escalating tensions over the country's missile text, uh, tests and uh, the rhetoric that has uh, skyrocketed from Pyongyang. Uh, Press Secretary Sean Spicer confirmed this briefing. It's for all 100 senators. So I, I like how he just says, you know what? Yeah, you're back to work Monday. See me on Wednesday, all senators in my office, and we're going to uh, we're going to deal with this. Because here's what's going to happen. President Trump acted swiftly and to much praise on the Syria situation, even uh, liberal Democrats had to agree. I mean, listen, when you have children, babies, and uh, and innocent civilians being uh, gassed with chemical weapons attack uh, in Syria by their own regime, anyone that doesn't support acting on it, I mean, even the Syrian refugees are, are thanking President Trump and crying that finally we have a president that is, that is acting. And you have a, um, you know, a Congress, some of them who have criticized, most of them have praised Trump, some of them criticizing him and saying, well, it's on his authority. And the Constitution gives him the unfettered right. And you have a uh, previous precedent with the previous president and others launching uh, missile strikes when needed to send a message that we're not going to sit idly by. That America is back. That when our interests and our values are at stake, we must act. That doesn't mean we're going to intervene in every conflict, but when it personally hits home, we will act. And so President Trump is calling on the entire Senate, um, plus Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, Secretary of Defense James Mattis, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Joseph Dunford, and the Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coates, all planning to provide updates to lawmakers so that Congress is kept in the loop that, okay, listen, you, you want to make sure that I'm kept uh, accountable? Fine, we'll tell you everything you need to know in this briefing on Wednesday. And we know, because they can't keep their mouth shut, that we'll know on Wednesday because they're going to leak something, even though it's a closed-door meeting. And there will be, um, there will be swift action in North Korea. There has to be. You have to keep them in check, and it's, and it's as a result of the U.N. doing absolutely nothing. It's a result of Obama and Bush and Clinton going all the way back to Reagan to where they did absolutely nothing with North Korea, appeased North Korea, and let this fat kid that runs the country and Kim Jong-un develop 
nuclear weapons, and now they have nuclear weapons, and they say that they can reach the U.S., and they say that they want to decimate the U.S. So we're not going to sit there and let them do that. And even if they couldn't reach the U.S., they're threatening our uh, U.S. allies in South Korea and in other places in the region. And President Trump has consistently spoke with President China, Xi Jinping, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. They've met previously, and they've kept in touch on how can we make sure, because it's not in the interest in anyone if North Korea blows up someone or sends a missile attack. If you truly want peace in this world, then you have to get rid of murderous dictators. And so China can sanction them because China controls their economy and controls their oil reserves. And China can tell North Korea, cut it out or we're not going to, we're not going to sit idly by. And it seems like President Trump has developed a relationship with Xi Jinping. A weird one, to, to be honest. But um, Xi Jinping, uh, if he does what he must do, what is required and incumbent upon him as a person, as a human being, is to sanction North Korea and say, we're not going to let you do this. If he doesn't do that, then, we'll, then we're going to tax the hell out of China because we have a $337 billion trade deficit. But I love how Trump, and I'm going to play a clip uh, in a moment, I love how he says, you know, it's all part of the art of the deal here. Okay, it's all on the table is, okay, we have a trade deficit. All right, maybe we'll keep the trade deficit if you make sure that North Korea doesn't blow us up. You know, there are more important things in the world um, in terms of national security than, okay, we have to keep, you know, and he railed against this budget deficit. He railed against the unfair taxes on corporations that other countries put uh, on, our, um, on our businesses that are based here. They tax them up to 100%. So he... President Trump has proposed a uh, retaliation uh, measure to uh, tax countries who tax us a percentage, our businesses. And he said, you know what? All right, maybe we'll just keep the status quo on that end, but only if you help us on the national security front. Here's uh, President Trump. He met with uh, United Nations uh, ambassadors. Nikki Haley was to his right, the uh, United States ambassador to the U.N., the president at the White House today. The mission of the United Nations and uh, the UN Security Council is to maintain international peace and security. These are important aims and shared interests. But as we look around the world, it's clear that there's much work for you to achieve. You're going to be very busy people, I suspect, over the coming months and years. Our nation faces serious and growing threats, and many of them stem from problems that have been unaddressed for far too long. In fact, the United Nations doesn't like taking on certain problems, but I have a feeling the people in this room, and I know for a fact that Nikki feels very, very strongly about taking on problems that really people steered away from. I encourage the Security Council to come together and take action to counter all of these many threats. On Syria, the Council failed again this month to respond to Syria's use of chemical weapons a great disappointment. I was very disappointed by that. The status quo in North Korea is also unacceptable, and the Council must be prepared to impose additional and stronger sanctions on North Korean nuclear and ballistic missile programs. This is a real threat to the world, whether we want to talk about it or not. North Korea is a big world problem, and it's a problem we have to finally solve. Uh, people have put blindfolds on for decades and now it's time to solve the problem for the united nations to play an effective role in solving these and other security challenges big reforms will be required in addition we must also take a close look at the u.n budget costs have been absolutely gone out of control but i will say this if we do a great job i care much less about the budget because you're talking about peanuts compared to the important work you're doing. You really are. You're talking about uh, the most important things ever. And I, I must say, I'm a budget person. You see the way I'm talking about NATO, the same thing. But if you do a great job at the United Nations, I feel much differently about it. Because we're talking pennies compared to the kind of, of, of lives and money that you'll be saving. 
Yeah, so the message to the UN today is get your ass to work and do what your job is, which is to maintain peace. Stop eating the donuts and drinking the coffee at the meetings and actually get some action done. That's what the message is uh, to the United Nations. And to, mo- to, to just start monitoring the situation in Syria, I can't even get past that because that is just sickening that they're just monitoring it. Okay, I can't get past that. Okay, and then North Korea, what are they doing? And then they allow Russia, okay, on the Syria situation, they allow Russia to veto. Okay, I don't know how that's a law that an ally or a rule in the UN that an ally of a murderous dictator can stop any sanctioning on the murderous dictator. Uh, Listen, the UN has been rendered useless especially since the costs have been so high for our country and no other country pays any money to it and it's just been a big laughing stock. And all they know how to do is talk and talk about climate change, but they do nothing in terms of North Korea. Now, North Korea is the most heavily sanctioned nation in the world. The U.S. Security Council in the past adopted six major resolutions since 2006, two after after, uh, nuclear tests in 06 and 09. So they have been sanctioned North Korea, but now after this, uh, we need like we need swift action, and it, it can't come quick enough. And then Syria is just a real shame what they're doing there. Um, also, because we're talking about taxes and paying your fair share tonight, there was a story that um, the Trump administration is slapping new tariffs on softwood lumber entering the U.S. from Canada. Uh, So President Trump announced this decision Monday evening, as we're talking, during a reception with conservative journalists and a White House official uh, had confirmed it according to The Hill. The Commerce Department later said it would impose a, quote, countervailing duty of of between 3% and 24% of Canadian lumber exporters. Uh, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross said the duties would amount to about $1 billion on Toughwood lumber. Uh, citing Canada's decision to, quote, cut off the last dairy products being exported from the United States as part of the growing problems between the two neighbors and added, this is Ross speaking, this is not our idea of properly functioning free trade agreement. So, listen, what what the Trump administration is doing is if you were going to, uh, if you're going to mess with us and try to take advantage of us, we're not going to let you do it. We're going to fight back. And that's what you have to do, unfortunately. Um, and so Canada getting a 20% tax. Good. Um, and listen, I'm a free trader too, but it's not fair when we're being ripped off and we have to pay high tax rates. And in reality, our, our corporations and our consumers suffer as a result. So, so there's a big change of policy here. And, uh, this is what people elected Donald Trump to do. And in fact, there's a wall street journal poll uh, I think it's NBC Wall Street Journal or ABC Wall Street Journal uh, saying that 97% of people who voted for Trump would vote for him again. Frankly, he would will win re-election. He has a couple pieces of legislation done soon, and that's up to Congress. But the way he's going keeps the peace, and um, and you see the economy starting to move a little better, and you have the market go up today, you will get reelected on that because the Democrats are a mess. More on that in a second. Uh, the United Nations, just to put a fine point on this, you know, last week they elected Saudi Arabia to the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. Now, Saudi Arabia on the Commission on the Status of Women. Now, you know what Saudi Arabia does for women, right? You know, they're the most gender-segregated nation. Women are banned from driving. Females have to be supervised by male guardians. They cannot leave the house without a male supervision. They will be stoned to death if they adulterate. Plus, Christians and Jews are persecuted in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia controls a lot of our oil. This is why we need energy independence. And now they are becoming, they're sitting on the status of women panel. So, you know, all the progress the United States has made in terms of women's rights, and women are equal in this country. There's no denying that. And you have, you know, these modern feminists uh, believing that, um, you know, there there's a gender pay gap 
when there isn't for the same work and same and uh, same experience and all of that. And women believe that they're the victims and they're persecuted. Well, if you go to Saudi Arabia and you go to Iran and Qatar and all these other places, you have to be all covered up and have to abide by men. Okay? So I think you have it pretty darn good. And, you know, our country, listen, is not perfect, but we've made a lot of progress. And women are very successful in this country. All people are successful. There's no reason to to gender stereotype. But when you have a country like Saudi Arabia, elections in a Women's Rights Commission, that's when you deserve to be outraged. You deserve to be outraged when they give a lot of money to our politicians as well. Um, Secretary Mattis, I mentioned him before. He was in Afghanistan, went there uh, you know, shortly after that. Uh, Moab, the mother of all bombs, um, uh, bombing on uh, ISIS militants, killing 94 uh, ISIS um, operatives uh, there in uh, in Afghanistan. That war continues to arrive at Johnson. General Mattis, our defense secretary, visited the region uh, yesterday, I believe it was, he was there. It's the longest conflict in U.S. history. 6,700-plus uh, Afghan service members have been killed in 2016 alone. $69 billion has been, sent, has been spent on equipment and training uh, Afghan security forces. And uh, if you saw my show yesterday, the Neil A. Kurtzel show, uh, we did a story on Adopted Battalion, a great organization on Long Island uh, in New York, that they send much-needed goods, whether it be non-perishable food items or soap or uh, underwear, basic needs to our great brave men and women who serve our country or are currently serving in Afghanistan. And... Uh, one thing that really stuck out to me was Vietnam veteran and the president of Adopted Battalion, Dick Olson, um, who uh, told me, you know, without me even asking about the president, he brought up the people who do not, that, you know, the snowflakes who protest over everything, or riot, complain, and they don't understand what our men and women are going through, just to keep us safe, just to keep us free so that we are not Saudi Arabia, and Sharia law does not infiltrate here that would persecute all of us and take away human rights. But Saudi Arabia is on the UN Women's Council. Fantastic. Here is Vietnam veteran Dick Olson uh, from my show yesterday, the Neil A. Caruso Show. During the Vietnam War, there was no respect at all for the soldiers fighting in Vietnam. Uh, I can tell you that from personal experience. Uh, as far as today, the, I see there are a lot of people that, that do have respect for this country and for our uh, president. There are a lot of people that do not have respect for our country, our flag, or our president. And uh, it's disheartening, and it's shameful to me, and uh, it's not the way it should be. I mean, if you're an American citizen, uh, you should show you your American citizenship, show your patriotism to your flag and your country. What's your message to people, young or old, that don't show respect for the country, for the flag, for our president, as you said? If you're not happy, leave. Nobody's holding them here. Nobody's got a, a, a ball and chain around their ankle saying they have to stay in this country. If they don't like it, they can go to a country that uh, of their choice and see how it is to live under their rules and regulations and their laws. That's, again, Vietnam veteran uh, Dick Olson, the president of Adopted Battalion, great organization, adoptedbattalion.com uh, if you want to get involved. They do uh, tremendous work for troops who are currently serving in Afghanistan as that war continues and uh listen the message the sentiment there is exactly what we've talked about um if you believe that our country is so bad and it's so uh, heinous and that you know we were we're still have slavery and we're still and all this stuff that the snowflakes say then go to saudi arabia be my guest uh and that's a true hero there and that vietnam veteran i'm uh, talking about respect for our country, for our flag, and for the men and women who serve, who don't even have clean underwear. And that's why they, on every Saturday morning, bright and early, are there on Long Island sending uh, sending materials to our, to our vets. Basic, basic needs. Um, and the president, who I applauded last week for signing that executive order to ensure that they can receive private health care, is expected to sign another executive order on Thursday establishing an office at the Department of Veterans Affairs, the VA, 
to uh, discipline or fire incompetent employees or managers. It will possibly be signed Thursday, and um, according to a source with direct knowledge, uh, that will create an office of accountability and whistleblower protection. Now, remember the whistleblower we told you about? Fox News had reported on it. Brett Baer of Special Report had reported on this um, doctor who couldn't serve, um, who couldn't treat veterans because he blew the whistle on wait lists that were keeping veterans online with suicide rates through the roof, up 35% since 2001. Well, there needs to be accountability. There needs to be protection for those who are who are truly want to help our great veterans. And so hopefully this order does get put in place, and I will applaud the president once again for that. Um, and, you know, you look at other countries like Europe where the migration crisis has allowed for ISIS to infiltrate. You have a, um, an election going on that is uh, that we're watching, um, and— uh, you have the um, right uh, right wing candidate Marine Le Pen, a uh, nationalist, uh, resembling Donald Trump, and closed border policies to make sure that illegal immigrants cannot just show a fake visa. They don't even need to prove identification. You just walk right in across the borders in the EU. And if she wins in France, then you'll have the end of the EU and an end to open border policies. And what did we just have? Another terrorist attack in Paris. So this election will possibly, I mean, listen, with all the omens, Brexit, Trump, and I believe that Le Pen will win based on these omens because I believe in that stuff. Uh, Emmanuel Macron, the other candidate, advanced. Uh, but listen, uh, closed border policies that will protect citizens. What's with, I mean, what's the problem with checking an identification? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and... That's what, uh, that's unfortunately what the open border policies have allowed for the Islamic State to infiltrate and infiltrate the refugees and, and immigration. They've done it in our country as well. And now the fact that we've just said that we're going to close the borders, you have an 80% uh, decrease in illegal border crossings. But the uh, French president now said that, uh, by the way, does this sound familiar? This is what the French president, uh, Francois Hollande, had to say. Quote, what is at stake is France's makeup. It's unity, it's membership of Europe, and its place in the world. He calls on the nation to back Macron and reject the nationalist Le Pen. Um, he said that the far-right candidate Le Pen would threaten the rupture of Europe. It would, quote, profoundly divide France and face with such a risk, I would vote for Emmanuel Macron, end quote. What does that sound like? Oh, it sounds like Obama, who felt that, Obama, that Trump was such a risk that we, his legacy was on the line. Well, all right, his legacy was rejected, and he spoke out for the first time since leaving office today. Well, we'll talk about that when we return. The Neil Acre Show podcast rolls along on this Monday. Exciting things on NeilAcruso.com. Supporting our vets, getting people back to work, and uncovering corruption and lunacy. Log on to NeilAcruso.com. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. I'm not. M2. I'm not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah. Street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Straightforward talk that drives the political establishment crazy. If you like your doctor, 
you will be able to keep your doctor. Period. What, like with a cloth or something? I don't know how it works digitally at all. Neely <laughs> Caruso is on the air and telling it the way it is as you deserve. It's the Neely Caruso Show Podcast. All right, we're back on the 24th of April. So, former President Barack Hussein Obama spoke for the first time today. And, well, I could play the clips, but basically this is how it went. Uh, 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 we, uh, we lost, uh, if you like your doctor, uh, that's basically what it sounded like, so I'm not going to bore you with it any longer. And a little bit of an exaggeration, not much. I mean, honestly, just for the intro clip at the start of the show, I had to cut down all those long pauses. Ridiculous. Um, Obama, okay, the one thing, and I listened to it live, and it was boring as all hell, and... Honestly, he had to show up to Chicago where he ignored. You know, you have over 700 shootings already in 2017, almost at the numbers at the end of 2016. And we're in the fourth month of the year. And you have 163 shootings, I believe, uh, uh, murders in Chicago. Already, I mean, there are three, only three murders off from 2016 numbers that were record numbers. Total carnage in the city of Chicago. And he has the gall to show up to Chicago where he has ignored. He has completely ignored these inner cities, these people who have no choice of education, who are stuck. There is gang violence there, MS-13, gang members, kids that are caught up in opioids. And he has the gall to show up there and say that he's going to be a voice for leadership. No, you're not a leader. President Trump is a leader. He's the one who is going to lead this country away from nuclear war that you enabled with North Korea. He's the one that's going to steer us out of recessionary times because the stimulus package that you built did not take into effect, okay? And the spending that put us more into debt, okay? So tax reform that hasn't been done since 86, Healthcare that would actually allow you to see your doctor as you see fit and a lack of corruption. We're not going to send billions of dollars to the largest state sponsor of terrorism in Iran so that they can use that money to fund terrorism. I mean, the stupidity is unreal. And anyone that denies that doesn't know or doesn't pay attention or thinks that I'm just spewing things that I hear on conservative talk shows. That's not true because the facts are that what I just said. Those are the facts, okay? And it doesn't make any sense. And if you can explain to me why would we send billions of dollars in cash overnight in a cargo plane to the largest state sponsor of terrorism, I'm all ears. If you can explain to me why we have 118% increases in premiums in Arizona. I'm all ears. If you can explain to me why there are 95 million Americans at the labor force and the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s and 13 million or more Americans on food stamps, the homeless population increasing, 43 million living in poverty, I see women and children sleeping on the streets in Manhattan. If you can explain that to me, and explain why his policies worked, I'm all ears. But he's a leader. He's not a leader. He is all talk, no action. If you can explain to me why he said that he was drawing a red line, that if chemical weapons were used in Syria by Bashar al-Assad against his own people, and then he didn't enforce it, I'm all ears. But the fact is, is that the last eight years have been horrendous, have led to total carnage in our country and around the world. We lost our standing in the world because of the Obama presidency. So now, President Trump has to clean this all up. And then the liberals, they have nowhere to look, okay? Because Tom Perez, the DNC chair, who, by the way, I mean, you want to talk about filthy mouths? He has a filthier mouth than President Trump has ever had. The guy cannot stop cursing. That I cannot even put a montage together for you or I would be beeping every single word because every other word out of his mouth is a curse word. So this guy, Tom Perez, is now declaring Democrats can't be pro-life. 
So not only have they, you know, okay, they're they're unifying the fact that they all hate Trump. Beautiful. Okay, Republicans don't like him either because he's not an establishment guy. Now, Democrats no longer have a choice about being pro-choice. So now they're, Tom Perez, the new DNC chair, now the old DNC chair, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and then uh, Donna Brazil, they rigged the election for Hillary, the primary, and they were giving her questions and yada, yada, yada. Now the current DNC, not much, well, a little bit has changed. You have a radical deputy DNC chair, Keith Ellison, a Muslim Brotherhood sympathizer, a terrorist organization. Uh, Tom Perez, who is just an Obama administration person that um, uh, is going to be the same old, same old after, you know, a liberal party that has Democrats who have moved far left that have seen state legislature seats leave uh, about, you know, over 800 state legislature seats gone. Um, they really have no standing across the country. Besides some mayors and, you know, but they don't control many states at all. All right, New York and California, congratulations. Um, but besides that, what do, what do you have? You know what I mean? So um, Democrats now no longer have a choice of being pro-choice. Uh, DNC Chair Tom Perez um, said that uh, every Democrat should be pro-choice, no exceptions. Nancy Pelosi of said, of course, I have served many years of Congress and members who have not shared my very positive, my, uh, my family would say aggressive position on promoting a woman's right to choose. Uh, Pelosi said that not everybody is pro-choice in the Democratic Party. And then said, told Chucky e. Chaw, well, why don't you interview Tom Perez? Okay, so he's now mandating, he's telling people how to think. And this is where, you know, the DNC, the Democrats, they believe in groupthink. They truly do. I've had professors who actually believe, oh, well, we're going to come up with a consensus and class it. No one's allowed to agree, uh, disagree with each other that, no, we're going to have, we're going to have group thing. They've actually used this term. Today, I heard this term expressing class by a teacher who basically said um, that we are going, that there needs to be, that everyone needs to agree with each other. How is that healthy? How come people, even within their own party, cannot have debate? I give it now. Republicans have criticized them because they can't get on the same page in terms of the health care. But I'll give them credit in one regard: they're they're mainly, for the most part, free thinkers. They at least have their own personal convictions that will speak up and say, "Well, I don't necessarily agree with that," or will have debate. The Democrats they just blindly follow their leader, who is corrupt, whether it be. Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton, okay? And Hillary's still in the fold, which is not good for them because they need a new face. And don't give me the Bernie Sanders crap because Bernie Sanders, the hypocrite socialist who owns three houses, okay, who, you know, just has all this blather and loves to go on social media and his um, socialism podcast about, uh, you know, taking everybody who works hard, all their stuff away, too much praise from young liberals who own absolutely nothing. Don't give me that Bernie Sanders is the future of the party, because if that's true, then are we going to be Venezuela, or are we going to be sifting through garbage? That's my question. And then you had this, a Democratic uh, representative, uh, Mark DeSolznier, a Democrat from California, of course, where else, was taken written questions from an audience in a question-and-answer session at a uh, town hall. And he responded to a child's question by labeling our president, President Donald Trump, as more dangerous than a terrorist. Now, this is a president who has not given money to, to terrorism, like Obama. This is a president who is looking to eradicate ISIS off the face of the earth. This is a president who's bombing the crap out of ISIS and keeping murderous dictators accountable. And so DeSalzner, or excuse me, I should, uh, let me tell you, the kid, uh, Eden, an 11-year-old, said that her mother cried on election night and added that discussions at the school made her concerned that her friends might be deported. Of course it all, all goes back to school, because this is what they tell these young kids, is that, oh, well, President Trump, he's going to deport all of your friends. What a beautiful message 
for young teachers to tell 11-year-olds. And I know from personal experience how it goes in middle school. And so the lawmaker, Mark DeSalsinger, Democrat of California, said, quote, the most dangerous person in America isn't a terrorist. It's a person who's the president of the United States and told an 11-year-old to get more engaged in politics. Imagine the most dangerous person in America is a terrorist. Oh, really? So it's not the... Um, the Muslim cleric who was in our country that the FBI had tabs on but didn't shoot to kill as they should have. They were on the, you know, on that list, whatever list that means. Okay, that's a story we talked about last week. Okay, it's not the, the Boston bombers, you know, it's not the, the next terrorist that we don't know about, unfortunately. Not the 9-11 bomber. They're not the most heinous people I've ever been in this country. It's, it's President Trump. Right, because he wants to eradicate ISIS off the face of the earth, and he's the most dangerous person, according to this Democratic lawmaker. If anyone deserves to be impeached from a position, it's someone like this. It's, it's, it's this lawmaker who gets to stay in Congress without term limits that can say these incendiary remarks about our commander-in-chief with no respect to an 11-year-old girl. Really brave, you know? To say this to an 11-year-old girl who's going home crying because she believes that our leader is a bad person. That is Absolutely abhorrent, and this lawmaker should be held accountable for that. It's disgusting. Let me leave you, uh, well, all right, let me just go into this March for Science thing that happened over the weekend, because I actually got to a interesting conversation slash debate with somebody today, and I think I made him think a little bit, because, listen, the question was posed about, well, you know, uh, we need to care about our Earth and all that. Okay, I agree with you. We do need to care about our planet. We do need to care about the future and climate change and all that. I get it. But is it really on the top of people's minds? I mean, there are, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, in fact, uh, tweeted that uh, it is the biggest national security threat of our time is climate change. No, the biggest national security threat of our time is radical Islamic terrorism. It is not climate change as the biggest national security threat. It's not a national security threat at all. Now, it's we have to be concerned about how we treat the climate. Listen, New York, they just issued, uh, you got to now, uh, believe it or not, New York City residents now have to put their food scraps into a separate bin to be recycled. So if you're doing that and you're abiding by the law and you're recycling, I think you're doing your part to make our country greener and whatever you want to talk. That's fine. But I don't think people who are protesting, I don't think those people had jobs. I think they're just whining and it turned into an anti-Trump rally. And it's not funny and it just happens to be that every single protest is against our president. They don't stand for anything. They don't stand for science. They stand for anti-Trump. Um, and... What I basically said was anyone, any any person in the right mind, well, most people, are more concerned about putting food on their table and are more concerned about taking care of their family and are more concerned about uh, their lives and their kids than they're concerned about climate change. Okay? Um, that's the reality. They're more concerned about their own financial situation than they're concerned about climate change. That's why the economy is always the number one issue in every campaign. So the March for Science, well and good, the, the supposed message, although it just was an anti-Trump uh, thing, the turnout. But, all right, we do have to care about our planet, but more people are concerned, and rightfully so, about their personal finances, and I think people get that. But also... Listen, while the president is seeking to undo the unnecessary EPA regulations, you have to keep in mind that those have stifled American job growth. There are coal miners and blue-collar workers across this country, even in places like Pennsylvania where President Trump will be speaking to celebrate his 100th day in office on Saturday. By the way, at the same time that the White House correspondence <laughs> dinner is going to be. I love it. I love it. There's nothing better than a Trump rally on a Saturday night. Get your popcorn ready. So much better than the boring White House Correspondents Group Think Dinner. Um, and so, but listen, 
more people are concerned about their jobs. They have the coal mining jobs coming back, and the EPA regulations stifle them. So jobs are, are number one on people's minds. Money is on people's minds. That's more important, frankly, in the eye of the beholder. Now, speaking of science, uh, our president today called uh, NASA astronaut Peggy uh, Whitson uh, today at the International Space Station to congratulate her on clinching the record for the most time in space by an American. A very special day, President Trump said, in the history of American space flight. Um, the astronaut um, has another five months in orbit with the recent extension of her stay on the International um, Space Station. It was an incredible moment. Uh, Whitson's third long-duration stay on the International Space Station she will have spent more than 650 days in space by the time she returns to Earth in September. Trump joined her on the phone with uh, with his daughter, Ivanka Trump, and NASA astronaut Kate Rubens for over 20 minutes today. Whitson's fellow NASA astronaut Jack Fle um, Fisher excuse me, arrived at the International Space Station last week, also took part in the call. It was a very good, uh, very fascinating thing to watch, and congratulations to uh, one of our... People who serve, Peggy Whitson, um, serving our country. Um, so an incredible moment there. There was one funny moment, too. It was funny. She was talking about how to stay hydrated, they have to, I guess they do something with their urine, some sort of chemical thing. And, you know, ultimately she's stringing her own urine. They, and that's what they do up there. And President Trump said, well, and, and you know, Peggy Whitson goes, um, it, uh, it isn't even that bad. And President Trump said, well, uh, well, I'm glad. Now I'm glad I don't have to do that. Very fun. Um, so, good note there. Uh, we will continue. You know we'll be here Monday through Friday on the podcast. If you haven't seen it already, go on to neilacruz.com and you can see that feature that we did with uh, Adoptive Battalion and that Vietnam veteran Dick Olson. Uh, got a beautiful email from him today. Uh, beautiful responses from some veterans who have contacted me. Uh, so, I'm very blessed uh, to hear from them. And God bless our troops who are currently serving, all those who have served. And uh, hopefully the president continues to do right by me. We'll see you tomorrow on the podcast. Talk to you tomorrow on the podcast. God bless you. And God bless America. The Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast is a production of Crusoe Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Crusoe on social media. And log on to neilacrusoe.com to sign up for Crusoe's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.